Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be listening to a Girlfriends podcast crossover episode featuring LoanSense CEO and co-founder Catalina Kaira Wongs. In this episode, Kaira Wongs discusses why student loans are one of the biggest barriers to homeownership and gives listeners the direction to navigate their debt and accomplish their goal of owning a home. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. We're excited to have this week's guest for Girl Funds. This is a topic that plays right into the home buying process. I'm pretty sure she has a lot of thoughts and input that I know a lot of our listeners will benefit from. So we're excited to have Catalina Kairawongs on the podcast today. She is the CEO of Loan Sense, and she is also a student loan expert through her nonprofit work in both helping the social economical challenge get access to college through grants and helping student debt borrowers get access to forgiveness. And in fact, she's canceled over $50 million in student loan debt on Excel spreadsheets and using that data to create an algorithm for their software with the company CTO. And she was also a Bill and Melinda Gates education fellow through her research on education policy. There's a lot to unpack there, but before kind of diving myself into it a little bit more, would love to hear from you on like, tell us firsthand why you're so passionate about student loans and why you're so passionate about student debt and why you maybe founded your company. And also maybe a little bit about Bill and being a Bill and Melinda Gates education fellow, which I know is a pretty big question. I just asked you to sum up your whole background, um, but kind of wanted to hear from you. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, really honored to be here today. And yeah, love, love talking um, about topics that could be useful and practical to people. So uh, where do I start? I guess 
Um, why am I passionate about this topic? I'm very passionate about it because I'm a millennial um, and I grew up with this notion that you just have to go to college. That was kind of the mentality. And um, we're the first generation to be less well off than our parents' generation. And to me, being the most educated generation shouldn't lead us to being less well off. We need to figure out how to help, you know, millennials or even the, fo the, the following generations that come behind us think about how to, you know, get out of debt and start asset accumulation. And the first step of asset accumulation is often home ownership. And it's part of the American dream. It's a fundamental part of what immigrants and, and Americans think about when achieving the dream, you know, getting that house, getting the financial freedom, doing all these things. And so for me, it's a fundamental part of helping people understand how to retire not in poverty because 83% of the average Americans portfolio at retirement come from the value of their home. So if we skip that fundamental part, we're creating a second, second class citizenship that is, will be perpetually renters. And unfortunately those are often communities of color, women retire more in poverty. And so if I want to address a systematic problem, I have to start with the debt that plagues us the most, our generation the most, which is student loan debt. So I became fascinated in the topic and I decided I was going to figure out how to systematically solve it. And that's where I did 50 million of counseling on spreadsheets because the market is not solving this problem. If you Google student loans, you're just going to get pushed all these refinance offers. And that may not be the best option. The majority of Americans don't qualify to refinance. So what are the practical advice and information we can give? And can it be given systematically? Um, whether they're coming, whether someone's going to a financial advisor, whether they're trying to buy a house and they're talking to a loan officer, where are they in their pipeline of thinking about their future? And can we reach them there to help them understand their debt so they can plan for their future goals? Because it's about the goals. It's not about the debt, right? It's not, it's about helping them achieve their goals. So what did I not cover that you'd like me to also cover? Oh, the Bill and Melinda Gates um, fellowship, right? So I basically, my work to get that fellowship was I addressed um, FAFSA, which is the application to get Pell Grants. And I helped my community in the, my hometown called Sarasota move our FAFSA completion rates from 32nd in the state to first in a few years. And that's how I got that fellowship. And I did it by going to the business community and saying, let's upskill your workforce through federal funds. And can you sponsor all the workshops for all the high school students, right? And they were saving a lot of money. So they said, sure. And that's how we move FAFSA completion, bilingual access to FAFSA completion. So I'm fascinated with figuring out how to leverage this educational funds to help people move forward, right? And student loan debt kind of became the natural thing to tackle because it's the next big problem in education funding. So, Well, I, I could not be, um, the, you're just speaking my language. So between my husband and I, we have eight kids. And oh, um, wow. almost all of them now are grown adults. And so the amount of time that I've spent on FAFSA, helping people do FAFSA is, is pretty extensive. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and just really student debt in general, you know, we, on, on this program, we really want to talk about, uh, we always talk about talking about finances with people. And so when, when it comes to student debt, there's a lot of different conversations. It's conversations that parents,
parents have to have with each other. If there are two parents, it's conversations mm-hmm. you have to have with your high schooler early on to get them kind of understand. And then really uh, what ends up happening in that time of your life when your kids are seniors, juniors and seniors, you talk to your friends a ton about this, about college acceptance, how you're going to pay for it. It's one of the times when when you really do talk to people because you're trying to figure it out and there's, there's very little help, right? You're like, I don't know how to do this. This all changed since I went to school. And in fact, when, when uh, I had kids pretty young, so, uh, you know, we were still paying off student debt when they were coming up to needing student debt. So, you know, and I think that's something that happens to people, right? It depends on how much student debt you have. So, so speak a little bit about that. If you're a parent, you've got, you've got high schoolers. What are some of those conversations right now? So first and foremost, yeah, the number of Americans um, above the age of 55 with student debt is growing like exponentially. And what's really scary is they cap the amount of borrowing you can have um, as an undergrad, but they do n- but they do not cap how much money you as a parent can borrow and it's at higher interest rates, right? So the conversation really needs to be, this is literally how the formation of loan sets, how my CTO and I met, is thinking about the borrowing process. And it's like, what you need to think about is, um, unfortunately, as much as education does good for building a solid democracy and a foundation of how our thought process, we also have to be practical, right? And think, this is my rule of thumb. What career or what do you want to do with your life? And if you don't know the answer, take a median wage of a normal undergraduate, right? And think about how much will you be earning in that profession? If you happen to choose a high earning profession like engineering or medicine or something, good for you. But if you're not sure you want to go that route, take the median wage and think about, okay, if the median, let's say median graduating wage is $45,000 or $40,000 or whatever it is for that profession, you should not be borrowing more than that for that degree, even if it's on your parents' dime and in their name. So for example, let's say you go to school, you get scholarship, you get some scholarship, they say take out 20 grand, but then they want the parent to take out 60 grand, that is 80 grand. Is that, it's not worth more than one annual salary to fund and educate, it's just not from a, from a return perspective, right? So be, be think about it from that perspective, how much are you gonna earn and how much is it gonna cost me to earn that degree? And make your college choices and college lists based on where are you going to get need-based aid if you get Pell Grants. And if you don't get Pell Grants, where are you going to get merit-based aid? Because you need to get financial aid to cover the cost, if, especially if you're not planning on going into a high-earning profession or what you're borrowing is not as sustainable. Also, you need to consider, are you going to work for a nonprofit or not? Because if you're going to work for a nonprofit or government, there's way more generous forgiveness opportunities that you can access that will reduce the amount you have to pay back. And so think about all those considerations. What is your career? How much does it earn? What type of employment are you going to want after this, right? And analyze that and think about it. How much you're going to make? And if it's a nonprofit, what can you possibly at an income level, how much would you have to pay, right? And that's it's very formulaic and actually that's what our software does. So let's say even if you're a parent and you're trying to plan for your student, you can literally go in and plug in potential earnings from your research and just manually enter estimated loan amounts and see what is the projected monthly income. Because the problem right now with parents and with students who are borrowing currently, they don't feel the pain point of having the debt yet. 
So they're just taking it out. The pain point comes when it's like, oh my God, I have to pay this back. And that's when, boom, the pain point hits. But by then it's too late because you already borrowed that money and it can't be erased in bankruptcy. It can't be erased in basically anything. They will garnish your wages. They'll garnish your social security. And if you don't pay it, they will add 18% fees on top of it. If it goes to collection, it's horrible. So I really recommend people think about it and understand truly what their options are post-graduation so they can plan properly. So I recommend that for parents and I recommend it whether you're in undergrad or if you're between undergrad and thinking about grad school. Those are all opportune times. And of course, once you're in repayment, creating a repayment strategy so that you can actually meet other financial goals is also really, really vital. And that is the work we do at LoanSense is helping people fit their student loans into all their other debt obligations so they can achieve a goal. That's what we do. Mostly home ownership is the goal, but it could be really many goals. It could be, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I'm balancing paying student loans with daycare. How do I balance this? You know, so our loan advisors answer multiple questions to just help people build a plan. It's like a GPS, right? For their future. That's what our loan advisors do to help people succeed. This is such, I mentor high school girls right now and literally was just in a conversation on Monday with them as they're talking through what college they want to go to, what scholarships they have, which one has their major. I'm sharing that feedback with them. Just the fact that there is an equation there. You can backtrack it. They can say, though there is that caveat, a lot of them also don't know what they want to do when they finish. So that figuring that out as well, which you touched on at the beginning, which is figure that out. Um, but giving them this resource of like, that was such an actionable like tip that I know that they would val like they could value from or benefit from. Um, so I appreciate that and we'll definitely be sharing it. Moving on to like that second half, we're talking, we just talked about, you know, getting into the debt, taking out the debt to have us, the taking out the student loans, but what about it from the like adult perspective? So now you have, you're grown up, a person like me comes in, I'm in my career, I have these student loans now. So what would you tell those people or like their options or maybe the person who feels really burdened by their student loan debt and they didn't have the, the, the great tips from the start? So if you're fortunate enough to just be graduating or you're about to graduate and you're at that stage, um, get a plan before payment gets kicked in. Um, and when I say that is because you have a, people have six months grace periods and people often let six months grace periods roll by because they're like, I'm not paying yet. I'm not going to worry about it. But that six month grace period is really crucial because let's say you have a high earning profession. You act, you, you're lucky. You're not affected by the pandemic. You got this great paying job. Um, then understanding that you can make a lump sum payment towards your loan. So it doesn't actually, what happens a month before you kick into repayment is all the interest capitalizes and that's how they base your monthly payment. So if you took pay down that interest, it would never capitalize and your monthly payment would be lower. Okay. That's one tip. If you're not fortunate enough to be listening to this and you're years into repayment, which is often the time we hear from people, you really want to understand what are your goals Right. So I'm going to give a very solid example. Let's say you earn like $60,000. It's not too low. It's not too high. Um, you have around the same amount or more of student loan debt. And you're like, I'm paying 20% of my income every month to pay this off. What you need to balance, right? And to think about is 
People think, oh, shouldn't I just put all my money as much as possible towards student debt and get it out of the way? Well, let's just think about it. Let's say you did that and made no other decisions. You're in your late 20s and you're not going to do anything with your life until you hit your mid 30s, right? Because you're basically saying, I'm putting all my money towards my debt. I can't afford anything. I can't afford to get married. I can't afford to buy a house. I can't afford anything, saving anything. I'm just going to put it all towards it. So think about that. Think about the cost of delaying retirement savings. What does that cost? Think about the cost of paying rent and not building equity. We have to think about those costs. And then you, you can weigh that against, okay, what if I don't pay my max and just get on a plan that reduces my payment, but now I'm saving towards retirement, which the biggest thing for you as young people is time. You have time on your side and don't let it go by. Now, instead of paying rent, you're building equity in a home. Those are all possibilities. So now let's say you pay your debt off when you're in your late 30s or even early 40s, let's just say that, but you have a home and you've adequately saved for retirement. What's the better equation for you? And so you need to not just think, people need to not think just so myopically about, I need to get out of debt and think about what is paying all that debt? What is it costing them? And so that is what I would think, that's what, excuse me, <clears throat> that is what I would tell a young person to think about. And loan sense, that's what exactly what we help people do. It's completely free by coming into our platform, answering five questions, connecting your student loans, and we will 100% for free give you an action plan on your student loans. If you want us to help file you into any federal plans like a turbo tax on student loan experience, that's where a um, individual would pay for a service. And let's say you have a lot of debt, uh, like you have more debt than just student loans, or you want to start a family, get married. Also getting married affects your loan payments, by the way, and affects your income taxes. So there's a lot of implications. Saving for retirement also can potentially affect your student loan payments. So you, so users can book a session with a loan advisor who has been trained on all the mortgage credit rules. So it affects your DTI for a home across all different mortgage types. Our loan officers understand student loans and understand debt to income calculations for housing, understand the implications on marriage, understand the implications on retirement. So we start, we lead with the student loan expertise, but we understand all the implications. So a user can buy plan enrollment or buy counseling with an advisor. But either way, there are tools completely for free. So we recommend people just go there and get free tools. Why not? And then of course, there's no pressure. But if you find that you're in a position where you really have a decision to make and you don't know how to make it, we're here for you. I hope that makes sense. And I hope that was actionable enough. No, it was, you know, um, so I'm in my fifties. And when, when I was, uh, when I was in twenties, people didn't, people weren't like, I have so much student loan debt, I'm going to put off all of my major life decisions. Um, I think because college cost a whole lot less, right? Um, and and I just think it was a different mindset. But now I hear that all the time. I do hear that from people who are kind of like, listen, I've got to put all of that off until I figure this out, get this done. And, and I love that perspective of like, balance everything. Look at the whole big picture. Because if you if you paid that all off, and then you're 35, and you don't have a home, what did you lose in especially in this market, where you could lock in a low interest rate? What did you lose in the meantime, is is such a great question and something that, um, you know, I, and you also feel bad for people. You're like, don't don't let this run your whole life, right? Like, like, let's find a way that for that. Yeah, but there's I don't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to add one other point that I realized I didn't add, Sarah, which is the programs we enroll users in, we don't enroll them into programs that stretch out their repayment for 25 years. We're literally trying to enroll them in programs that will forgive the loan balance 
the interest that they're not paying programs that will forgive that. So if we enroll you in a specific type of program, there are programs that will literally for the first three years pay all the interest you're not paying, and then programs that will proceed to pay 50% of the interest you're not paying for the duration of the entire loan. And then at the end, we'll forgive the balance that you're not paying, right? So I just wanted to even add that, that there can be programs out there. Or if you're a nurse, there's healthcare specific loan forgiveness programs. If you're a teacher, there's teacher specific loan programs. So it's really, there's employer specific loan programs. So the whole idea is to have a holistic, personalized understanding of your situation, your spouse's situation if you're married, because that affects your situation and your family situation. And to make decisions as a holistic not standing as one entity with one decision, but like, what is your holistic thing? And to make a decision about your loans with a full understanding, because you may actually save a lot more money by paying less if you understood the whole picture, right? So that's the, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just got excited. When that <laughs> no, it's a good interruption. Um, you know, we've, so, so we've been talking about homeownership here and there, but, but tell us a little bit about like, what is the effect of student debt on homeownership? Because I do think those are the things that people, you know, in people's minds anyway, it is the number one thing that that's going to hold them back. So I would love your perspective on that. And, and also, um, is there a solution to that? Yeah. So, um, the effects on home ownership is the um, Federal Reserve or some, I don't remember if it's a federal, but some, some like really big U.S. federal agency did a statistical analysis on home ownership um, and student loan debt. And for every $1,000 of debt, you delay home ownership by one month. And on average, student debt is delaying home ownership by five years. Um, there's no question the National Association of Realtors came out with the generational report that says that student debt is the number one barrier for people under 45 to achieve home ownership. Only 20% of student loan holders, by the way, the national payoff is 43 years old. So the number one barrier is the student loan debt and it's delaying the ability to buy, but not just that, it is delaying family formation. It's, it has far-reaching economic implications on a person's life. Um, and 80% of student loan borrowers just don't own a home right now. And so we're just pushing it out further and further. And the motto in our current mortgage process and the way we think about mortgage, the current motto is like, okay, get your credit fixed, which by the way is is a myth on the number one problem of our generation. It's not credit and it's not, oh, and, and people also have a misunderstanding of how much down payment they need. They think they need so much down payment. And then they, they the majority of people with student debt with, that are renting believe they can't afford a house because of the debt. So it's a huge perceived understanding. So think about the barriers in our mind already as a 30 something. It's like, I have this debt, I have to pay it off. I haven't paid it off. Why am I going to think about buying a house? Um, I'm already like delaying having kids because I don't have money. I have to pay this debt off. I, I can't afford daycare. And then lastly, like, oh, how am I going to afford a house? Like, are you kidding? I have to come up with 20% or something. I, I can't save for that. So there's all these mental barriers that are blocking somebody we're so advanced technologically. We have self-driving cars. Literally, I'm, I'm like, we're in Michigan, so we see them testing self-driving cars. Yet we can't build a GPS. For, but when I mean GPS, I mean a debt payoff GPS. And that is what we're doing at LoanSense. 
we, you should be able to enter a goal and we will tell you what needs to happen and do it for you. You know what I mean? That is our vision over time. So I'm saying this because if you are in your late twenties and your thirties and you have a belief that you can't afford a house, it's unlikely not true. It's unlikely completely untrue. Number one, you should get a plan to see if you can reduce your payments, therefore reducing your debt to income, which is used to help you qualify. That's number one. Number two is if you can't qualify this second, you need a plan so you can qualify in a year from now and we can help you do that, right? So don't let notions confuse you. Get facts and get a plan. That, that's what I always say to people, right? Get facts and get a plan because you shouldn't, education should list, lift us up the economic ladder, not delay our opportunities in life. That just does not make any sense to me. And federal government programs exist for a reason and they're here to help. And we want to leverage them in a way that helps you. So if you come to us and you have a loan officer that may have, like, let's say the loan officer says you don't qualify for whatever reason, we can include them in the conversation so they can know what's going to happen. So my final tip on the mortgage front, I want to say that's happening massively. And we hear this from users all the time. If you go to a loan officer who says, oh, we want to qualify you for FHA loans, okay, they take 1% of your principal balance. So let's say you owe $100,000. They're going to say we have to count $1,000 towards your student loan payment. So $1,000 for a lot of the average earning person, if they counted $1,000, you would not qualify for mortgage because you have too much debt. So you really need to consider going onto an income-driven plan, which we help you with, and getting Freddie or Fannie conventional because they don't count 1%. They count your actual payment. So if you got your payment, let's say to $200, they would count $200. And now you have increased your affordability for that monthly mortgage payment by $800 according to the debt to income calculations. So a lot of loan officers struggle to just keep up themselves with just all these moving mortgage credit rules, let alone trying to understand the student loan side of it, right? So we are happy to work with other financial professionals and keep them in the loop when, when their client comes to us because we are here for a mission and a goal to help people close and achieve their dreams, right? So I just hope I answered that very clearly. If you have no understanding of what I just talked about with DTI and you're just like, I'm not going to figure this out, that our loan officers are here to help our loan officers, our student loan advisors are here to help you out so we can support you and your loan officer to understanding what the debt to income reduction would be and how they can go to underwriting with that new amount and actually help you close. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. To hear the rest of the conversation, head over to the Girlfriends podcast, which is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more.
Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily as we wrap up this week's news coverage. As always, we like to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Have a great weekend and catch everyone back here again on Monday.